Join Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin for a new monthly edition of the Capital Ideas Podcast. It's your look inside one of the world's largest asset managers. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Invest 30 minutes today. American Funds Distributors, Inc. From Silicon Valley to Wall Street, the promise and perils of artificial intelligence are playing out on the world stage. But what will the next phase of AI adoption look like? Which companies from big tech to startups will dominate? And where do the risks and unintended consequences lie? I'm Emily Chang. Join me at Bloomberg Tech in San Francisco, May 9th, to answer many of the industry's burning questions. Alongside SNAP's Evan Spiegel, Xbox President Sarah Bond, OpenAI's Brad Lightcap, top researcher Dr. Fei-Fei Li of Stanford, and many more. More details and just a few tickets left at Bloomberg.com slash TechSF. Let's get to Robert Hoffman, our guest, who joins us from Singapore. Robert is head of investment counselors for South Asia at City Private Bank. Robert, thanks for being with us. I don't know whether you've been to the office yet, but I'm sure through your smartphone, some clients have been in touch. They've seen the sell down in U.S. risk assets. They've got a lot of questions about recession, earnings contraction. Um, what kind of questions are you fielding at this moment from your clients? I think, and good morning, thank you very much for having me. I think the very first part of this is, this is seasonal, and we typically see a slowdown in trading and a slowdown in volumes at this time, and that's no different this year. Uh, the big releases of economic data rolling through over the last couple of weeks, they certainly have had an impact on markets and, and direct uh, positioning from clients, but uh, by and large, clients are willing to sit this one out through the end of the year until the next big data releases start rolling in in early January. The one notable exception is what we're seeing in China. Um, interestingly, is, is we saw before the, the Chinese reopening or the announcements of the Chinese and Hong Kong reopening, uh, we had seen net sellers of Chinese equities. And given the run-up we've seen in equity markets here in China, we would have expected those flows to change. But actually, what we've seen is selling into that strength from clients who now have excess cash positions. So mm. it just further reinforces the theme. Clients are sitting on a lot of cash, waiting for next year to start and, and prospectus for next year. Where do you anticipate that cash is going to end up being deployed? Well, obviously, fixed income markets have absorbed a lot of this with, with the rise in interest rates over the course of this year uh, and, and the expectation for continuing Fed pressures on interest rates uh, in the first half of next year, uh, it, it's certainly going to attract more and more capital. So I think clients are happy to sit on cash until there's more clarity around the economic picture and the, the end point for where the Fed is going to stop. But also, I think that the focus will shift in the new year as we get more and more clarity around the Chinese reopening and the potential for reopening with, with Hong Kong and more broadly to the, to the global uh, trading environment. We'll, we'll see. But I, I think there's a lot of, of dry powder there that could be put to work very quickly. And so that's why we're, we're fairly optimistic heading into next year for some parts of the world, but relatively subdued uh, on, on Western countries such as the U.S. as well as U.K. And, and more broadly in the Eurozone over the winter. So do you think the picture on the mainland is not going to be really clear in the way that it ought to be, uh, let's say, for six months from now? I mean, it seems like this, this reopening, given the COVID infection situation, is going to be something that's going to un unravel in fits and starts. Yeah, look, if you look to the U.S. right now, it's it's not just COVID itself. It's that people have really been protected and insulated from viruses and illness more broadly. And you're seeing this resurgence of illnesses, which were typically very benign and mild, all of a sudden affecting a vast swath of the population in the U.S., 
China is going to go through the same experience here, but on an accelerated path. But just because, given that that they've been through this process longer, they've had they've they've lost a little bit of that immunity. Um, there are going to be some fits and starts over the course of the first quarter. But largely, the the biggest issue for us is that this is such a rapid change in policy, and it's happened so quickly that it's it's hard to tell what the next big rapid changes are or the speed that, with which they could happen. So, uh, again, we're optimistic, but we're it's hard to find a direct line as to where we want to go. I will say the travel and leisure sector sectors as well as uh, the services sectors are certainly ripe for investment at this point and this is where clients should be looking to expand their holdings and what about the materials sector because we've had a few bullish calls around uh, expectations around commodities prices for 2023 yeah, a bit more nuance there. I think the housing sector, and we've gotten some stimulative measures there, but the overhang on the housing sector right now, it could be a long-lived problem, and that is going to really affect some of the materials uh, demand there onshore in China. And given the, the weakening the weakening situation in Europe as well as in North America, that's likely not going to change very quickly. However, other commodities like energy commodities, coal, oil, gas, these are areas where there could be a, a rapid acceleration in pricing. And, and I guess in a strange way, that actually probably worsens the environment for the Fed to be able to make decisions going forward with the rate policies they try to combat inflation on that front because it's such a feed through to other asset classes. So how do you want to be ex- exposed to markets or economies that are connected with the China and the trade dynamic? I mean, Paul is talking commodities. He's thinking Australia, I'm imagining. And then I'm thinking uh, North Asia. I'm thinking Japan. I'm thinking South Korea. I'm thinking Taiwan at the same time. Do you, do you want to be able to, to strategically put money to work in markets that are reliant on trade with China? I, I don't know that you, that's a direct line that you want to use as the catalyst for driving, but it certainly is an accelerant for why you'd want to have exposure to different economies. Australia, absolutely. I think that there's a, a real compelling case there for investment. However, equity markets have already valued a little bit of that in, and so you're seeing richer valuations in that market. I do think the currency, the Aussie dollar, is probably ripe for the best appreciation. So on a risk-adjusted basis, that might be the most attractive asset class within the Australia market over the course of the next year. Japan, it, it, again, they, they've not had the pressures as far as raising rates, so they seen a weakening in their currency. That is going to take a toll on some of their corporate earnings over the coming months. Therefore, Japanese equities might be a little bit challenged here in the short term, albeit the yen, again, the same story around currency markets, could actually be the real investment opportunity there in the near term. Other economies, Singapore, Indonesia, uh, there are opportunities, I think, and you're going to see that resurgence of service and travel help to lift those markets as well. As other economies around the world have reopened, they've, of course, had to grapple with pent-up demand, <clears throat> excuse me, and, and rising inflation. Is this something you see in China's future? Absolutely. I, I look no further than the travel sector. I, I think one of the areas of concern for, for, for us here in Singapore as we sit today is that it's hard to get flights and to, to pay a reasonable cost given some of the inflationary pressures we've seen on those travel services. As that market begins to reopen, you, you can't immediately flip the switch and get new pilots to hop into airplanes or get new capacity at runways at airports. So there are going to be some real logistical challenges that we're going to face in, in the coming months, and there's certainly going to be some inflationary pressures on some of those countries and some of the surrounding economies. And, and I think that's one of the areas of focus that we're going to have. How do you work through that, and how do you actually benefit as an investor from that? Well, it's interesting you make that point, because here in the States, we had that disappointing retail sales number, but a part of that data indicated that there is a shift now toward greater spending on services. And and then I'm looking at a news story that we had in the Bloomberg Terminal, talking about the customer service agents at Southwest Airlines. They've approved a new five-year contract 
25% general wage increase over four years. So maybe we're underestimating the stickiness of these inflationary pressures, particularly when it comes to services. And what does that say about maybe underestimating the resolve that central banks will have to have to get it back in the box? Yeah, and look, higher for longer is definitely a risk. And, and this is maybe one of the most underappreciated risks as we head into next year. But it, it's not a focus that I think investors are pricing in today. Uh, look at Lennar's earnings last night in the U.S. where they came out and said that all of the, the weaknesses that we had, all of the constraints and pent-up issues that we had are actually now supply gluts. So labor is coming back in and we're, we're able to hire workers. So there are going to be some sectors where there's been that runaway inflationary pressure that will start to be subdued in the first half of next year. It just remains to be seen how pervasive so that is, given the backdrop of China quickly re-entering the, the, the global trade economy. Might be a good moment to talk about your top risk for 2023. What, what do you see? We have lots of, of risks we're monitoring. We, we talked about this in our mid-year outlook, and we've, we're going to mention it again in our, our 2023 outlook, which is there have been a lot of little fires that have burned throughout the course of 2022. Some of those have become big fires, so the COVID situation in China. The question is, is what are, what are the next big fires to, to really erupt? And, and there are so many issues, whether it's the, the trade negotiations between the U.S. and China, uh, or it could be geopolitical tensions. And, and that, again, China tends to come to the forefront, strengthening China, where you've seen a, a more silent central government here recently. If that should change and they become a little bit more hawkish on the policy front, uh, it remains to be seen what the impact will be on economies. But it, it certainly would be an overhang. And then the final one that I think we're all monitoring right now is that the Federal Reserve, as much as they want to increase rates and we're seeing a softness in the CPI data, what if that CPI number stays high and the Fed does have to go higher than expectations? It, it, it could create some negative consequences for everybody's, for what seems to be a consensus view that it's going to be a first half weakness, second half strength. That could actually delay that story into 2024. Okay, 10 seconds on that last point. Assign a probability of, of that, that, that the Fed has got to continue going in a way that the market doesn't anticipate. We've got that pegged at about 15% right now in our probability spreadsheet. Robert, good stuff. Thanks for dropping by our studios in Singapore. Robert Hoffman, head of investment counselors for the Asia Pacific at City Private Bank. This is Bloomberg. The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com.